you can see on your program, we're starting a series that's called Before I Go. And the whole premise of the series is what did Jesus say and do after his resurrection, but before his ascension? And we're going to get to look at one of those episodes today, the loving and tender care that he showed for Mary Magdalene right at the time of his resurrection. And when I was thinking about this, it, it struck me the difference between when we see things, you know, when you see things and you go, okay, I understand it, it's logical, it all works out, and, and the difference between that and hearing things. I, I think when you see things, you, you, you know, you base your uh, opinion on reason. But when you hear things, often it involves uh, and matters about the trust you have in the person you hear. Let me illustrate it this way. I, I was with a friend of mine and we were kind of walking a vacation area, set of shops, and our wives were along. And our wives went into one of the shop areas and we were looking at something else. And then they, it looked like they came up because they, um, there were two women walking in front of us. And th this guy, he thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go up behind and give my wife a great big bear hug and tell her I love her. So he picked up his pace. He reached out. And, you know, I kind of wondered about this as I'm watching it unfold. And he reached around and he grabbed her and he gave her this great big uh, a hug and holding on to her. And I saw her kind of flinging elbows, pushing him away. And then she turned and tried to do a Will Smith slap right across his face. I kind of ducked back too. He grabbed the wrong woman. He thought he saw his wife, but it wasn't his wife. And then he's kind of chasing after her, trying to explain. She has none of it. She's just kind of pushing away. Get away from me. Get away, you pervert. You know, all this stuff. And and go and goes away. Sometimes we think we see something and we know how it's going to work out, but it's not that way at all. Another time, Darla and I were at a party, and I was talking to someone, and way across the room, I heard uh, Darla's voice, and she said, Paul. And usually when she says Paul, you know, I'm kind of like a puppy dog. It means come. So I, I walked on over there, and I was standing by her, and she said, oh, uh, why, why are you here? <laughs> and I said, well, I heard you say Paul. She said, I was talking to this person, and I mentioned your name. Do you notice that? If you say the name of somebody you love, if someone says your name, and you trust them. It's interesting how instinctively you hear it and respond to it. Uh, a lot of us trust what we see when I would tell you, you don't always see right. And we'd be a whole lot better if the person we trust, we heard from and followed. Let me show you that by directing you to John chapter 20, one of the accounts of Jesus' resurrection. It will be on the screen behind me. I'm going to read it and make comments as we go. Early on the first day of the week, 
This is Easter Sunday. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she ran to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Kind of a subtle brag by John there. I'm a little faster than Peter. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. Kind of Peter's MO. He saw the strips of cloth lying there as well as the uh, cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple had reached the, had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Now, they had kind of forgotten about Mary, but we see it in verse 10. Then the disciples went back to where, where they were staying. So Mary runs to the tomb. She finds it open. She looks inside. Jesus' body isn't there. She assumes someone has stolen the body or moved it to another tomb. She goes back and gets Peter and John. They look at it, and then all of a sudden, they go back, and she's standing there alone. And then we'll, we'll pick it up, and we'll see that Mary looks back into the tomb again. Have you ever done that? Have you ever had a, a situation where you're missing something or maybe you're missing someone and, and you, you, you just looked there before, but you go back and you look again? You, you come back and you, you look even a third time? You go, how in the world could this be happening? How is it that I couldn't see it? Look at how it's described in verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my, my Lord, my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they have put him. You know, it's interesting. She looks inside the tomb again, and she sees two angels. But she doesn't even comment on the angels. I mean, if it were me, I'd go, who? There are angels in this tomb. You know, what's going on? She just matter-of-factly asks the angels, do you know where they put the body? Because she still doesn't believe that Jesus could have risen from the dead. What she's thinking is somebody's taken the body. Uh, maybe this was the wrong tomb. They've put it in another tomb. Whatever, she's crying. She's sad. She's hurt. She's tired. She it just it is at a loss. After, after watching Jesus die on the cross, after uh, these days of waiting to come and, and make sure, sure that his body was prepared for his burial she's sad and she's confused and she's hurt and then look at what happens 
in verse 14. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Why is it you are looking, who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. You know, somehow Mary hears this muffled voice and she turns and hears, who are you looking for? And she goes, oh, it must be the gardener. Must be the caretaker for the property. That's the only thing that would make sense. And she, she wants to know, where, where did you go and put Jesus' body? Uh, if you tell me, I, I will go and I'll get it because I, I, I want to care for it. And, and she doesn't recognize that it's Jesus. But then look what happens in verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic. Aramaic is the uh, language Jesus grew up speaking. Uh, a, a language that Jesus probably knew Hebrew, Aramaic, and Koine Greek. Mary, and Mary turns to him and cries out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. With one word, everything that seems so central blurs into the background. And what really matters uh, snaps into focus. Jesus says her name. And suddenly, she realizes Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead. The promises he made are all true. The hopes that we had are complete. Here he stands before me, the risen Savior, physical in form and yet supernatural in every way. And she's utterly amazed at what she experiences. You know, I, I think this passage uh, would draw our attention back to some words that Jesus spoke in John chapter 10 about him being the good shepherd and about us being the sheep. Listen to John 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And then in John 10, 27 and 20, 28, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. When, when Jesus calls Mary by name, she hears his voice. She hears him speak her voice. And immediately things begin to click in place. But it's not the clicking in place of kind of, I see it now. It, it, it's not an intellectual understanding. It, it's a relational um, connection, a trust that she has. The one who I've known all these years, the one who I followed, the one who is my good shepherd, the one who's called my name before, 
calls it again. And I know when I hear him say Mary that I ought to come because he's a good shepherd and I'm one of his sheep. He's the one that I can trust in. He's the one that I can depend on. He's the one that I can follow. You know, I see so many people today who are trying to figure life out, get it all organized, get it all ordered, get everything in place. They're all looking for how can I see and make it work? Make it work for my kids. Make it work for their education, for their sports, for the opportunities that come their way. Make sure they, they don't ever face any challenges or hard times or difficulties. Make sure that things are straight and orderly lines that are, are, are logical and consistent. But you know what I tell you? That's not how life works. You're probably never going to see the reasons and purposes in your life except in the rearview mirror. It's only after the fact that a lot of things are going to make sense. So if you look at today, if you look at the future, if you look forward, I, I don't think God is going to go here. Let me show you the big picture. Instead, he's going to speak to you so you can hear. And the most important thing he's going to say is your name and that he's got you if you've put faith in him. Did you hear what Jesus said in John 10? I mean, here's one of the big takeaways. That if you ask Jesus to be your savior and leader, he says your name and tells you that you have eternal life starting now that will never, ever go away. You know, I grew up in a church, and there were a lot of good things about the church. But one of the bad things that the church I grew up in is they never told us that. that that's what happened with Bro Brody told people on Wednesday night, he told students that if you trust in Jesus, in his death on the cross, in his resurrection from the dead, and, and you trust him, you say, be my savior, be my leader. That he knows you by name, he calls you by name, and he gives you eternal life. You know, if you're here this morning and you go, I'm not sure I know deep in my heart that I have eternal life, right at the end, I'll pray a prayer. And if you join in that prayer, I want to tell you something. God will be true. God, Jesus will do for you what Jesus did for those students on Wednesday. For what he did for Mary described uh, in this passage we read. What he said and promised he would do in John chapter 10. He'll know you. He'll love you. He'll call you. And he'll give you eternal life secondly 
I just want you to know, if you've invited him to be your Savior and Lord, and you know, a lot of times people go, you know, I, I did that once, um, but I'm just not sure. I go, just do it again, do it again. You know, a lot of times when I hear someone offer that opportunity, I just pray it again. Not because I don't know it, but because I just like how it feels. Just because. Because it's fun. Because it's great to know that I'm loved. It's great to know that I'm forgiven. It, it, it's great to know that I have life in God. But in the same way that you come to God by uh, trusting him. You, you know how you grow in your relationship with God? And you know how you grow your life? By hearing from him and believing it into action. Hearing what God says and believing it into action. When I was, let me give you a couple stories about that. When I was in college, uh, I, I had to take a, um, a, a, gym, a gym credit. And I, I was trying to do really well in college so I could get into grad school. So I wanted to take some kind of gym credit that I probably could get an A in. And I found out that the hockey coach of the school was teaching a swimming class. I thought, he probably doesn't know a lot about swimming. And, uh, you know, I'll probably do okay in this. But what I didn't count on is because he was a hockey coach, he liked us to do reckless things. So we'd swim a little bit. Then he'd go, try to swim two lengths underwater without taking a breath. You know, anything to make it hard. Then he noticed the diving boards. He said, how, how many of you know how to dive? And, you know, none of us raised our hand. Good, we're going to try some dives. So I got up on the diving board, and he liked to call me Johns, you know, because uh, Paul Johnson. And he said, well, well Johns, uh, you know, do a dive. So I did a dive. He said, that looks good. Okay, now I want you to go back up and illustrate how to do a backwards flip for everybody in the class. So I said, well, I've never done a backwards flip. I said, well, just go up and just visualize that you're doing a backwards flip and, and make it work. So I went to the end of the diving board. I, I, I went up and I thought, okay, bounce, bounce, bounce. Kind of heaved my body back. And all I managed to do was come and do a, not a belly flop, but a back flop. And every single nerve in my body on the back of my body was just destroyed. And after I had done this about eight or nine times, trying to figure it out, trying to see it, trying to work it out, said I got an, a different idea. Uh, the whole thing for doing a backflip, he said, is just throwing your head back at the right time. He said, so you bounce, you bounce, you jump, don't do anything, and then when I shout at you back, violently throw your head back. And so, bounce, bounce, bounce. I'm up in the air. I'm waiting. I'm, it felt like for eternity. Back! I threw my head back. And I just flipped over beautifully. It's when I heard what to do that I was able to do it. You Maybe you're here today and you're going through hard times. Maybe you're going through challenges and difficulties. Maybe things seem unclear. Maybe you're going, I feel like I've got a life and a job that's bigger than I can handle. God's got it. You can trust him. 
You can hear from him. He can do amazing things that you're likely only to see in the rear view mirror. A few years back, uh, Woodridge was growing. We needed to add on to our building, just like the Highlands is growing, and already you need to add on to your building. And we had gone to the city of Medina. Uh, we did all the steps like we had done in a previous building edition. And uh, it was uh, January, and we were going before the planning commission, and the mayor in Medina called a moratorium on building public buildings in Medina. You know how many public buildings were being built in the, uh, Medina, the six by six square miles that represents Medina? One. It was our one under consider consideration. They rewrote all of the code so that the building addition that we had spent $325,000 in plants and all the, all the stuff you do ahead of time could not be built. And we went to that meeting. I think my friend Al Peterson, who was here, was in that meeting. And they rewrote the code. They voted us down. And we walked out the door. And Al and the other guys were standing. What, you know, Paul, what in the world are we going to do? I mean, we needed the addition. We, we, we were told we can't build the addition. I mean, we spent all this money, and we have absolutely nothing to show for it. And I remember saying, God will tell us. God will tell us what to do. Now, just a side story on that. We took the city of Medina to court later on. We prevailed in that court. We built our addition. We got a guarantee that in our conditional use permit, we could build up to 85,000 square feet. So God took care of that part. But you know in the days to come, what we heard is multiply. Woodridge was the church plant of Wooddale. Multiply. And so we started a site down in northeast Minneapolis, Mill City Church. We, we started a church out in Delano. Maybe you remember it, Woodridge Delano, that then AKA became Crow River Church, that AKA became the Highlands Church. We started a, a church in Minnetonka uh, that is called uh, Mercy Hill Church. And you know what? On Easter Sunday at Mill City, or at Mercy Hill, there are 480 people. At Mill City, 363 people. Um, here at the Highlands, 1,055 people. At Woodridge, 1,614 people. God, it, we were building so that we could reach more people. And God said, hear me, multiply. And when we multiplied, we end up reaching double the people we would have reached. We had combined total over 3,700 people between our sites on Easter. Not because we could see it. Not because it was all figured out. Not because it was crystal clear 
but because we heard from God and believed it into action. Every day, through the Bible, through prayer, through listening to other people, through promptings of the Holy Spirit, I try to follow after Jesus because I trust him by hearing from him. And then when I hear from him, I try to act on that. Are you just trusting in what you see? Are you teaching your kids just to trust in what you see? Do you have to have everything figured out? Or have you learned maybe the most important lesson in life? Trust in Jesus. And he probably won't show you what to do. He will tell you what to do. Will you join with me as we pray? I want to invite you, if you are unsure that you have eternal life, if there's just any uncertainty about that at all, you say these words silently as I say them out loud. Lord Jesus, I uh, acknowledge my sin, my mistake, my self-directed way of life. And I ask you to join me on your cross and join me in your resurrection and give me all the benefits of your death and resurrection to love me, to call me by name, and give me eternal life. If you've asked him to do that, if you've prayed that silently as I've prayed it out loud, he's done it. He's, he knows you by name. I can't even know you all by name, but he knows you by name, and he loves you by name, and he will lead you by name. Please tell someone else after the service if you've joined in that prayer. I would love to hear out by the door that you've joined in that prayer. And then, Lord, for all of us, would you let us become people that don't have to have it all figured out, don't have to have uh, everything in line, that it doesn't have to be logical and always certain, but that we would learn to be people that hear from you and believe it into action. Lord, that's been the history of the Highlands. Let that be the future of the Highlands. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand as we sing praise to God?